This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680-CJOB. Welcome to Jets at Noon. I'm not Cam Poitras. I'm Tyson Rewicki filling in for Cam Poitras until thir- I'll, I'll be here Thursday. Um, while you enjoy some much-earned vacation time. Wow. I, I don't know about that, <laughs> but he'll be away. Speaking right there is the other half of the dynamic <coughs> duo. He's back. The flow that knows is the back on the show. Knows. Wow, I like that. Yeah, it's good to be back. I too had some vacation time last week. Uh, I appreciate uh, the downtime and back at it. And I miss Cam, but I'm glad you're on board. How'd things go last week? It was really good. Yeah, yeah. M- Monday to Wednesday, we had a we had a blast. Gabe Velarde Mor- joined you. Morgan Barron. Morgan Barron joined you. It was a uh, it was a, a jam packed week. Big week. week. And they both said, as long as Toast's not there, we'll come on. <laughs> so good. I, glad I can't we got con- can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> But that's yeah. good. Excellent. No, it's good to be back and I uh, wish Cam some well-deserved time off too. He, de- he deserves it and look forward to uh, being on with you. My second time doing a show with a Rewiki. Yeah, you can't escape Somewhere us. Somewhere there's a Rewiki brother going, I'm jealous. <laughs> When's my show coming up? Probably in the near future. Who knows? It's, whenever there's a heartbreaking flyer loss, another Rewiki is born. Yes. So, there's, so there's probably going to be a few on the way in there the next little go. bit. But. And, and you're lucky you, you're allowed to host now after that shutout by the Flyers at Canada Life Center last year. You were banned until this is the week the band has been lifted yeah no me and me and gritty or last were having, week i should say me and baby gritty were having a really fun time at the game there it was a <laughs> it was a blast but baby gritty that's right yes you stayed out of trouble on your vacation i did yes i went back home to alberta saw my folks had fun i uh, watched uh i had a lot of naps and watched a lot of the prices right because awesome. my parents are at that age and found out that janice from winnipeg was on the prices right now i have no clue when because I don't know if this is a PVR prices right I was watching with my mother or if this was a live one or if this was just the regular scheduled taped a couple months ago one. But Janice from Winnipeg made it to the prices right. I believe a bedroom set or a dining room set or something and something else got to spin the wheel, made it all the way to the showcase, and then Janice from Winnipeg overbid. That's a tough break. You, ne- you never want to overbid. At least, yeah. at least Can- go under. Canadians often overbid, right? Because yeah. we go down there and we think, well, a Volkswagen Jetta is twenty three grand, when in reality it's twelve in the states or something. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, as much as I'd love to talk prices, right for the whole hour, I know we do have some some hockey to talk about. Some actually, very exciting Toth news there <laughs> from the Prices Right world and Janice. Congratulations, Janice! By the way, it's a pleasure watching Winnipeg being represented on the Prices Right. But yes, we do have some Jet stuff to get to. Yeah, the Hockey News put out an article recently. They've been recapping all thirty two teams off season and just giving a grade out for how they think they did that off season. And the Winnipeg Jets were the last team to receive a grade, probably because alphabetically they're the last team in the NHL. And but they weren't too impressed with their off season. They gave them a C plus. Wow. Would, would you say that's average or slightly above average? I would say that's very a, a C plus. Yes. Mm, I think a C plus is average. I, I I think a C or a C minus is no a C is average. So a C plus is yeah average. Slightly C above. minus is slightly below, and then you go from there. Um, but it, it was an interesting article. Like, I, I think a lot of people, including us here in Winnipeg, expected more things to be done. We expected Hellebuck to be gone, and we expected Shifley to be gone. And I'm not convinced that they're not going to be, but I am starting to understand the 50-50 on whether they're back or not. Now, we're going to get into this tomorrow, but with the arbitration hearing for Samson off at 3.55, um, the Leafs are 12 million over, 15 million over, and yeah. then they're going to get six with Muzzin long-term, like there's some ways to do it. 
but they still have to sign Nylander. Like there is a lot of business that needs to be done. But the difference this offseason to me, Tyson, is the business that needs to be done is there's not a lot of room to do it. Um, and, and I mean, people want Hellebuck, but they can't slip in his, like we keep saying, New Jersey Devils are interested, but they can't look at his 6.2 this year, let alone the ask for nine next year. So would they love to have Hellebuck? Of course. And so that's the business part of it. If these things are going to happen, a ton of moves are going to need to be, and Toronto's leading the way. Like they have to figure out what to do with Nylander, but whether they keep him or send him out, they still have to get under the cap. There's more business to get done to get this cap to fit. The one thing about the Jets is the cap is fitting right now. With Velarde's contract, Morgan Barron's, there's some other things to do here. But there's not any, if they do keep Shifley Hellebuck, there's not a lot of major surgery that needs to be done. Um, but there's a ton of teams around the league that, I don't know, is it now? Is it training camp when, like, how do you shed $6 million right now? Yeah. If you're any team, four to six million, and then there's a teams that have a little bit more to shed. So that's the business part of it because you're looking at teams that don't have room to do it. So it's an interesting grade. Um, and and I think that's average. I think it's an average offseason for them. They hit a home run with the Gabe Velarde trade, in my opinion, um, for a guy that wasn't going to play here again. And then, um, you know, buying out Blake Wheeler, I'm still not convinced uh, – you're going to have 50, 60 points in Blake Wheeler's spot this year. Yeah, and I think all things considered, the Jets did good with what they could do, right? The Pierre, Obviously, you're put into a corner with the Pierre-Luc right. Dubois trade. I, I would have liked to see a little bit more movement on the back end. I think there's too much of a logjam there where you don't want to get into a situation where you're losing a guy like Johnny Kovacevic again or a Declan Chisholm. Guys who are on on their ELC contract still, maybe their second contract where they're still on a two-way deal. But those are the guys that really help you build those championship rosters, right? Having right. Qual- quality defensemen on your bottom pair. I would have liked to see more there. But like you mentioned, it's just, it's tough sledding right now for teams to make a move. Like there's like a Carolina involved in the Carlson trade. Brett Pesci's name has been out there. Uh, even Debrinket, it took a little bit longer than a lot of people thought, and that was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to go to Detroit. Yeah. And then he didn't hit a massive home run. Like, it's a right. four-year, seven-plus. It's a Jason Robertson deal in, in Dallas. There's not a lot of the, the Jonathan Huberto's, you know, seven, eight-year extensions at $10 million just aren't out there. Um, and it's going to be fascinating. Even Eric Carlson, like, he spoke to a, 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 a European – news outlet uh, about winning European player of the year or whatever, and then saying that the four teams he's discussed and others. But if those moves are going to happen, those teams need surgery to move out. So that's, that's the thing that intrigues me about this is it's not just what the jets have to do. It's what the jets could go get. And I'm like, I'm a vulture circling the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I'm a vulture circling the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm a vulture circling the Carolina hurricanes for, Hey, I know you're talking to San Jose you want an extra three mil, take this or let me have that. And what do you think of that? And where is it going to go? There's ways that, like you, especially Pittsburgh with a Carlson trade, they're going to need to move a guy like Jeff Petrie. Now, is he the defenseman that he was three, four years ago? No, but he's still a very solid top four defenseman and a right-handed one at that. And you added him into the Jets lineup. And I think that really just kind of brings out more out of everyone. Yeah. They, they, they need that that second defenseman that you can rely on because at times last year, Neil Pionk just 
wasn't performing to the level that we've seen him perform before. And I would think that's a prime example. Like, whether it's Logan Stanley, whether it's Declan Chisholm, whether you don't want to get rid of those guys and and um, or not, those are where those deals can be made. Like, I will give you ELC relief and, and a pros- this prospect. He may or may not play for you. I don't know. But at least you have the space if we get Petrie, and we're better with Petrie than we are, no disrespect, right now than a Declan Chisholm with somebody else. Now, fitting under the cap is the problem, right, with what Petrie's making. So you have to send – it. Just there's a lot of stuff going to be done. I think a lot of unique stuff is going to be done um, in order to make things happen. And, and Adam Proto in his Hockey News report of the Jets offseason wraps it up with this bottom line for Winnipeg Jets offseason. The Jets made the playoffs in five of the past six seasons, but in their past four postseason appearances, they've won just a single series. They've also won just eight playoff games in that span – it very much feels like they're an exercise in diminishing returns and the departure of Wheeler and Dubois make them a longer shot simply to get in the playoffs. Team ownership has no desire to remove Cheval off, frustrating fans who are looking for a new approach and a new era for the franchise. And the desire for many of their players to pull the shoot on the team and seek greener pastures elsewhere is extremely alarming for the fortunes in the next few years. He wraps up the article by saying another administration might have taken the full rebuild route with the Jets. This is our long-stated preference for any team trying to escape the mushy middle. This management team believes their core should largely remain in place, and that's a recipe for more disappointment next season. I understand that point fully, but the other side of it is is just what he described before getting to that point. Do you want to rebuild and ship out Connor and Ehlers? Like, the, the loss in the deals for Dubois is, is Gabe Velarde going to stay here seven, eight years? Is Ayafalo is, like, that's the problem. So when you have players who are staying here, in my opinion, you have to re, and I have this, con- you have to retool. And I have this conversation with a lot of my friends who want Chevaldeoff gone, who want to restruct, rebuild, and everything else. And I'm like, you can't, you're going to run into the exact same problem. And you don't know if you're going to hit home runs like Shifley and and Connor and Ehlers in that rebuild with your picks. I think it's a much better advantageous to keep who you can keep and keep trying to retool it. I know the mushy middle sucks. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I've been saying it for years. They're good enough to just keep sucking. And that's playoff team and out, playoff team out, non-playoff team, playoff team out. But... The idea of a four or five year rebuild to me is ridiculous when you have Morrissey, Connor, Ehlers, players like that, Perfetti. You can retool this. It's tough, but I think this is, and I, this is the conversation I have with my friends who want changes. I'm like, I, I'm at the point where if a new GM comes in, I would like to see what they do because it's still the toughest job in the NHL. Yeah, you never want to be in that hockey purgatory, but sometimes your situation puts you in a tougher spot than other teams, right? Like where, some teams are more able to go full rebuild when you have young guys like Morrissey, Connor Ehlers, yeah. who are still entering their prime, really locked up on solid deals. Morris or Ehlers contract is coming up in a couple of years here, but let us know what you think. Give us your grade on the jets off season. Uh, you can call us or text us in at 204-780-6868. Coming up, we're going to go through a Stanley cup contender checklist and Jim, the return of something very, very special to you. Oh, to me, to to millions, maybe even billions around the world. (laughs) Don't go away. We'll be right back with Jets at Noon right here on 680 CJOB. Jets at Noon on 680 CJOB. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Jeff saw Oppenheimer this weekend. Did he? How was that, Jeff? Not Barbie? No, that's uh, next week is Barbie, actually. 
The Oppenheimer is good. It's uh, the fastest three-hour movie that's mostly just guys in suits talking to each other <laughs> that I've ever seen. Now, if, if someone wanted to do the Barbenheimer stretch... Yeah. Uh, you haven't seen Barbie yet, but no. what's the what's the order you would recommend? I would start with the Oppenheimer just because it's it's so long and it's a little more bleak than the Barbie movie, I'm assuming, is or whatever. So I would uh, end on the high note with the Barbie. I, yeah. I do want to see Oppenheimer really bad since it started out. Uh, who's the star? Gillian? Um, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. I'm a big fan of his. Always ha- I always have been. He's he's great. I would say at this moment he's uh, the lock to win the Oscar next year. Oh, really? Ooh. Wow, I mean, good for him. There's still five more months left this year of Oscar movies, but yeah. But I am stunned at how many people, and I mostly follow re- news reporters, sports reporters on, on social media, that went to Barbie and say it's one of the best movies they've ever seen and are giving it 9 and 10 out of 10. And yeah. I just from the people that I'm following that I would think, because I'll go see Barbie, but I'm not that, yeah, yeah. you know, I got to see Barbie. But the more I read and the more I see, it's becoming something that I'm like, I got And now I'm questioning, do I, I have to go see it now? <laughs> do I have to go see Barbie? Like when's the last time the, a movie has had this much hype around it? That wasn't, you know, know, that wasn't already built in like a new Indiana Jones movie or something like that. Yeah, Even Josh Morrissey was putting out photos of Oppenheimer and uh, Barbie in his I pink suit at real. the all-star game. And then, well, no, they weren't real. But if Josh took the time to do that, Josh has got to get on the golf course or something. <laughs> Even the guy on CNN right now, we're looking at the heat dome over the U.S. It was a big pink cloud. For Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with this Barbie movie? Do you, know, do you know who actually is an Oppenheimer that's related to hockey? Who? Sean Avery. What? Really? Yep, Sean Doing Avery. what? I, I believe, I haven't seen it, but from what I'm seeing here, he's a weatherman. I could see he's got the chiseled jaw, right? Yeah. Like he's a loon, don't get me wrong, but he's got the chiseled jaw look. I could see him doing some acting. He was a model, remember? And I could be totally, I could be wrong, but I I could swear that he was in a Christopher Christopher Nolan movie before this one. He could have been, I think he's in some movies and and I know he did some fashion stuff and whatever else as opposed to. He's doing pretty good for himself. After calling Marty Broder fatso, fatso (laughs) wouldn't shake my hand in the line. Remember that? Anyway, thanks Jeff. You bet. Uh, yeah, welcome back to Jets at Noon. Tyson Rewicki here in for Cam Poitras. <laughs> I wouldn't shake my hand in the line. That's a crazy. That is what one a of the piece cool, of work. That's one of the craziest interviews I I've heard, seen. And this was just a rumor and goes back to the Moose days. But I heard when Dallas wanted to send him down or get rid of him, they wanted to send him to the Moose. And I, this is just a rumor I heard. So take it for what it was. I'm not trying to say it's fact. But I heard Mark Chipman said, absolutely no way. I don't blame him. I, that's like a, James Neal, the real deal came from Dallas for a couple of games. He played for the Moose, and like they had that, that thing where they were they would take on two to six players right. from Dallas, and the rest were from the, the Vancouver Canucks. And I I heard at the time that they tried to send him here, and um, Mark Chipman said, "Absolutely no way do I want him in this room." That's probably for the best. It's a, yeah. it's a good thing, maybe. Good decision. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that doesn't yeah. that would kind of be a loose cannon after being <laughs> in Winnipeg for a little bit, but. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> the win- like the, so we were just talking about the Jets offseason and how they how we think they did and and so on. And the Athletic always puts out an article right around playoff time that kind of has a checklist and outline for what a Stanley Cup contending team should have. Right. And they pulled a lot of like the, these elements and the data from the past 13 years. So it's the first team that they took data from was the 09-10 Chicago Blackhawks. And the most recent team that they have are, are the Colorado Avalanche from two seasons ago. So I thought I I would go through the checklist and you tell me 
whether who and whether the Jets tick off that box. And then at the end of it, we'll see we'll see how the Jets do compared to some of the Stanley Cup contending teams. Okay, yeah. And you wanted to spring this on me, so this is this is my way of saying I've done no research on this whatsoever. <laughs> so let's have it. So we'll start off first with an elite first line center. Do you think there's anyone on the Jets that fits that elite number one center role right now? See, it's it's weird because Mark Scheifele is a number one center in my mind. Is he elite? I, what's elite? Like right. to me, there's maybe five to seven deep elite. I know a lot of people in the hockey world consider him elite, like top eight. I don't think he's out of the top ten. Yeah, I, I honestly don't. I now I know what we're going to talk about, right? Faceoffs and defensive and all this, but um, I, I do think he's a top ten to twelve center in the league of thirty two teams. Um, but is he elite? I don't think he's elite. Yeah. I, I, I think you could win with a center with Mark, like Mark Shifley as your number one center, but you really got to have a number two there that can also, that like, yeah. almost where they're interchangeable at and that, that point. That's why it's so disappointing um, with Dubois and, and the way they played in the playoffs, because I honestly believe, and if you watch them against the Oilers that year, they swept the Oilers. I, I believe um, Dubois Shifley are good enough to win a Stanley Cup as a one-two center if they play great. Now, we all know how the Vegas series went. We all know who didn't show up in Game 5 against the Vegas Golden Knights and to some point periods of the other four games other than Game 1. But that combination down the middle, and we did this earlier in the season, and some people fought back on me, but I went one-two centers around the league, and they came in about sixth in the National Hockey League with Shifley Dubois compared to the other teams that had elite one, two centers. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people forget that Shifley still had 40 goals last season. Yes. He's a, he was one of the most quiet 40 goal scorers. And prior to the 40 goals last year, he was a six year in a row point per game player. Yeah. It's he, he has the potential. And even I remember watching some of those games early on in the season and he looked like a different animal. Just, just the way that he was, he was using his body to shield, to attack the puck, to protect the puck. And it, it's night and day difference from the beginning of the season to the end of the season for Mark Scheifele. And if you can find that consistency that you had from, from the first 20 games, he's a really, really dangerous player that not a lot of teams have a game breaker like well, that. Well, that's the thing. Like if he, if he does that part of his game and, and that's the thing when discussing these lists and, and elite and all that is like the potential. To, and I'm not talking potential to be Mark Scheifele is when he plays like that, we've seen him play like that. So he is, I don't want to sit here and go like, well, do so-and-so has the potential. Potential isn't is. And Mark Shifley is. We've seen him do it. It's just a matter of consistently doing it. Right. I, we'll give that one a soft yes. A for, soft yes. For, so it'll be a yes. Yes. Just a little yes. 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 Moving, moving on to the next one. I'll kind of lump the, yeah. this one in because I think we all are going to agree on this one. The Athletic says that to be a Stanley Cup contender, you need an elite first-line winner and two other legit top six winners. I think we both agree that the Jets are are solidly comfortable in that area, yes. right? Yeah. Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, you even throw Nino Niederreiter, and then one of Gabe Velarde and Cole Perfetti is going to have to play the wing. Right. So I think you're more than set on the wings there. Um, I agree. Going on to a top-line caliber center as the number two C. Yeah, that they don't have. But they did. That right. was my point of, I'm not going to go over it again, but that was my point when Dubois was here, that for sure. Do you think? I, I, and then 2C to me is a guy that could be number one if the number one guy wasn't here. Totally. And do, that's what Dubois was here. Do you think Cole Perfetti has a chance to 
take that role this this season? He does have a chance. And again, like I think him going to center this season was always the plan from the day they drafted him and started playing him on the wing. It's just too bad that he's missed so many games the past two seasons because I think he'd be more than ready. I th- I see him playing center this year. I just don't know if he starts there, and I don't know if he plays it all year long. Yeah. It's it, that's going to be one of the most interesting camp battles. I feel he, he I, I do too. And he's he's been out for a while with this injury, but I also don't think it's the worst thing for him. Just I don't ha- hate the Nemestikov, um, Perfetti, Velarde line. I just don't know who's going to be center. I think Velarde could play center too. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering if it's Nemestikov and those two on the wing, but the potent, I think all three of those guys play center for games at a time this year. Yeah. It's. That's good. That's one of the battles I'm most looking forward to. Um, the next one is an elite number one defenseman to play on the top pair, Josh Morrissey. Right. There's your answer, right? He's, yeah. And I, I, I think there is going to be a little bit of a regression just because of how crazy of a season he had. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not going to be in that contention for the Norris, but I think this past season was just kind of crazy numbers from defensemen all around. Well, I, I think you're going to find the real Josh Morrissey this year, which I, I think if there's any regression, it's just because of the firepower that's out of the lineup. Yeah. And that's Wheeler, and that's, that's you know, on, on point-per-game pace is a 65- to 70-point guy. Right. And we only had 50-some and 70-some, but um, – and then Dubois, 63 points in 73 games. I think if, you know, you, you put that into another nine games – he gets 70 points, and I think that's going to hurt some of the production from the power play is going to, and I know how the power play struggled, but I, I think Morrissey is, I, I don't think he's going to have as many points, but I think he's going to be pretty close to it, which with a depleted lineup firepower-wise, I think you're going to see just how good Josh Morrissey is. Yeah. But look, when he was drafted and came in, they were talking Olympics with him, right? And yeah. then as he developed, he was Olympian, and then he had the two down years. And people were showing me metrics and and analytics and all this, and I'm just like, he's not he's not as bad as you're saying he is. And people wanted him shipped to Seattle, right, with that contract. And now that contract is probably the biggest bargain on the team right now. Yeah. If Mark Shifley leaves, he's the biggest bargain on the team right now, and that's what he is. If the Olympics were to happen this year again, Josh Morrissey wouldn't be on it. I think he would be. He'd be on the team. Yeah. I don't know if he'd play. I don't know if he's. Top two, he wouldn't be that, but right. he's definitely a Canadian Olympian again. So I think you are going to find out this year with some of the firepower gone, just how good Josh Morrissey really is. Yeah. Now the next one is one other top caliber D men, and that kind of that throws in sort of your high end to low end one guy. Right. Do the Jets have a guy who could fill that role? I don't think so. I don't think they have a one two guy. I think they have a one. Who can uh, a two who can play with the one like Demello or somebody, and then I think you have a lot of really good threes. I think Brendan Dillon, um, I think Neil Pionk. Uh, I know he struggled last year, but three four is fine. I, like I think the Jets have a ton of three four guys. I think their five six guys could play five. I think Dylan Sandberg could do it. I think Nate Schmidt at times can do it. Um, but I think Josh Morrissey is the number one D man on this team. They don't have that. Now the other thing that Josh isn't is that Hedberg, Petrangelo, um, or Hedman, sorry, Petrangelo, um, just six foot four, but he plays physical. He can do things. Um, but there's been a, some studies showing that the number one bona fide stud D-man that can play 29, 30 minutes a night in the playoffs wins more Stanley Cups than a number one elite goalie does. 
Yeah, I believe it. The, the impact that you can have on 30 minutes as a defenseman, I feel, is much more than a goal t- goaltender. I believe it, too. I mean, Petrangelo in Vegas this year is a prime example. Totally. Uh, we're going to zoom through these next two just because okay. we're yeah. short up against the clock. You kind of you kind of said this next one, and it's two top four defensemen who are solid. And I think the Jets have that with DeMello. I, even Brendan Dillon this past year, I think Dylan Sandberg also is going to take a huge step. So do I. So I'd say that. And, of course, a top 10 caliber starting goaltender. Right. That's, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's, so by my count here, the Jets are only are missing one, two, three, four out of a possible 10. And it sounds, it sounds bad, but you have the elite parts right. of, the, of the roster set. It's about finding those complementary pieces and just that one, that D-man that can kind of elevate the rest of the decor up. I think that's really right. the big piece that's missing. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, what boxes do the Jets tick? Which ones don't? In their so quest for the, how does that work out? Are they a contender? I, I, it's are those it's three to bo- four pieces missing make them they're a playoff team, but not. That's kind of how I contender. see them right now. I see them making the playoffs this year because I think they're going to play better defensively, which is going to lead to a little bit more offense, which will help offset the elite skill that's left. It's it's such a fascinating offseason to me because I still think there's more work to be done, but I also feel that the style in which they play because of the moves, the pieces that have been moved could result in more wins. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so let us know, 204-780-6868. I did want to read this one text quickly from Ted in Cali, California. <laughs> Teddy! Ted, he says, is there anything wrong with keeping Helly until midseason or trade deadline? I know the trade value drops as it gets closer to the end of the season, but do you think there's a spike in value at the trade deadline? I I don't. Look, I I said this so many times. If you want prospects and picks, deal them at the deadline. Yeah. If you want actual roster players, you deal him in the offseason. Yeah. I think the only thing that you could potentially be looking at is if a goaltender gets hurt on on a legitimate team. And then maybe they think, hey. But even then, is that team going to give you a second-line center for Connor Hellebuck? Not at that point. No. No. They'll give you two picks and two prospects, and you'll get four assets. But, like, even New Jersey. Say New Jersey creeps around, and both their – they want them now. Yeah. And both their guys get injured. They're creeping around. They're not going to go, hey, take our our number two D-man or our second-line center. Which you're not going to want anything less for Hellebuck than that. You probably want a little bit more. Yeah, 100%. We're going to take a quick break and be right back at Jets at Noon. Tyson Rewicki, Jim Toth. We'll be right back right here on 680 CJOB. Jets at Noon on 680 CJOB. In for Cam Poitras. I'm Tyson Rewicki alongside with Jim Toth. And Jim, like, what, what is going on with Arizona? Like do we the Tempe deal falls through and all of a sudden it's just crickets. Like is this team where are they playing? Are they gonna be in Arizona this year? Well, except for Alex Galchenyuk, who is now gone into yeah, he's, NHL appointed um recovery program and much needed after his arrest and debacle that was. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um that's a good question. And when you brought it up to me earlier today, I was like, I, I don't really know. Like it is crickets. It's like that tumbleweed blowing across the desert right now. Um, I, I have heard that it, it didn't go over well with the arena there. Like, I, I mean, like players kind of thought it was an anomaly and okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. But to do this for a couple of years will not go over well with the PA. Um, and then even the players that play there, like, okay, this is kind of cool, but, 
Um, and I get it. Like, I, I'm not trying to downplay it, but when you make the National Hockey League and you play in front of 5,000 fans in a college arena, that's embarrassing. That's, yeah. it's, I, I mean, we can sort of go, who cares? You're still making your millions and all that. But I don't look at it that way. I look at it as I worked my entire life to get to a certain level. I'm at that level. And now I'm playing in a junior hockey rink. Yeah. And a, and a college rink. It's embarrassing. I think, too, that hockey in Arizona can work. It's just this ownership group, the way that the stain that this franchise has on the league right now, I think you've got to get out of there right now. And then if you really, really want to try it again, you try something else if the team has to relocate. And maybe with a new, a totally new ownership group, they can kind of find that magic that Vegas has found. It's one of those things like, like I was saying about, I have some friends who who think it's time for Cheryl Dayoff to move on and a new regime and do all this. And I say, I'm, I'm kind of at the point when debating with them over the past couple of years that I would like to see that now, but just because I'd like to show you that I, I don't think that, you know, it's still the toughest job in the NHL. And if a new GM could come in here and start getting players to come here and, and other ones to sign long-term and stay, I'll be the first that's shocked. And I think the same in Arizona. I do think it could work there. Like I'm at the point where I would love to just let's build a marina in downtown Phoenix and see what happens. Like I want to see that before they pull out. And I know everybody else wants them just gone and move on and give it up. And I get that. I I do think that it could catch on there. I do, but it's got to be in the right parameters. And and we've seen that, you know, it's like the Winnipeg ice to a point. I think the Winnipeg ice would have been just fine if they could have got that arena built. I really do in this market and everything else. I, I'm at the point with Arizona, I'm the same. Just somebody build a marina in downtown and let's find out. Now, the problem with that is is $4 billion later, whatever it costs, $500 million later, and if it doesn't work, then what do you do? I get that. Yeah. But I'm with you. The crickets on this and stuff, and it's just, it's alarming to me. Not alarming, but it's it's not surprising to me, but it's very disappointing on how the NHL just sort of year after year after year, everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's not fine, Jerry. <laughs> it's the oil and the sob. Really quickly. Houston, Salt Lake City, Quebec, Atlanta. Where are they moving if they're if the Coyotes relocate? They'll go to Houston. I like. I don't this. think they'll touch Atlanta. I don't mind Salt Lake City. I think Portland would be a great place. I think Portland would be like Winnipeg. It doesn't have the 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 demographics, but I think it'd be supported there. I just don't think they're going to go to Quebec. Yeah, Salt Lake Stinner, Salt Lake City Stinners, great team name. Yes, but that, but that about does it for today's show. Special thank you to Jeffrey Forche. The man, the myth, the legend. Thanks, Fort. It's good to see you again, man. Jeff Brown will have your news at 1 o'clock. Jim Toth's going to take you all the way to 3 o'clock. For Jim Toth, I'm Tyson Rewicki, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Same time, same place, right here on 680 CJOB.